good to be speaking to you. Yeah, it's nice to be face to face, even That's if right. it's worth. Yeah. That's right. As you know, you've been on the shortlist for this since since it started. So I'm glad to yeah, have you. Thank on. you. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be good. to you. That's always nicer. Good, good. So are you happy to just get started? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you yeah. introduce yourself a little bit? Okay, uh, I'm Monica Kocher. I live in New Delhi, India. And uh, I have been into maths, I think, pretty much since I opened my eyes because my father was an engineer. He passed away long uh, back and he was always studying, always wanting to go further in his, uh, he worked for the government. And okay. so maths was a natural choice. And I went into mathematics as a graduate, postgraduate, I taught. So in a nutshell, over the years, I have taught children of all types. I have authored books. I have helped edtech companies uh, design their curriculum. I have reviewed books. So uh, my passion continues to be, you know, bringing kids to maths and then taking maths to the kids. That's how Brilliant. somebody okay. it. Most yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. So quite a lot of variety there, teaching and also uh, instructional design, curriculum design. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which which aspects of that do you enjoy the most? The teaching in the classroom think, or yeah. the the writing side I, of things? I think I forgot to add. I've also done a lot of teacher training. Oh so yeah. Okay. I, yeah, it's hard to decide. It's like a balance. So I thoroughly enjoy signing, but I also enjoy face to face. So one without the other is uh, kind of incomplete. So yeah, if I sure. design, I would also want to go somewhere, go for a training or something and implement it. Yeah, and yeah, right. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I always feel as well. I do. I now do more training than teaching. And I actually, mm. you know, at this point, I actually prefer the training side. Um, mm -hmm. if I had to choose one, but I can't, mm -hmm. the same as you, I can't bring myself to just step away from teaching because, um, every time something comes up in the training, I'm keen to go yeah. and try it in the classroom and likewise, yeah. or, 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 um, I should say conversely, um, yeah. I wouldn't feel right training teachers if I didn't still have that current connection to the classroom. I um, get it. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. I've, I've I had think, trainers yeah. before who stopped mm -hmm. teaching like 10 years ago and now they just train. Mm -hmm. And mm. a lot of their practice is it's sort of 10 years old, you know? Yeah, that's true. I think you're very lucky that you get to teach, train, design, everything. So Yeah, although I, I don't I, do I, the design yeah. as much as you do. Uh, what, yeah. what's, the, what's the latest thing you've been working on on the design side? So I have a bunch of books by a publisher. In fact, it's for the Indonesian market. So they okay. want to upgrade their books, which were initially written for the Indian market for international right. schools in Indonesia. So this oh, wow. is a very exciting, exciting project. So I first changed their books. Now I'm doing their uh, teacher manuals. And okay. um, it, it's very exciting because I'm able to bring all my, those uh, fun ideas, the child-friendly ideas, which I really like into it. And uh, they are giving a lot of freedom and they are very teacher-centric. So they are not interested right. yeah, in jargon-filled right. ideas or they, yeah. they are very, very sensitive to the fact that how much can a teacher do in a classroom? Just put much in the teacher manual. So right. this is yeah. quite an exciting project. 
I am also involved in the webinars, which are face-to-face uh, -face, uh, sessions, and something or the other keeps coming up on that side. But my yeah. main work right now is uh, with the publisher. Oh, that's really interesting about the Indonesian project. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm yeah. teaching in Indonesia, obviously. That's my, uh, yeah, I know, yeah. my region. So that's really exciting. And um, yeah. it's great to see, well, it's great to know the source of some of these books because some of the books that have been used here, not just in maths, but uh, across the yeah. board and, and in language, especially where, where I focus, um, some of the books that yeah. are used here, um, the dread, dreadful, quite frankly. So it's good okay. to know that they're being refreshed. Okay. And it's good to know who's, uh, who's yeah. doing some yeah. of it. That's great. Okay, exciting stuff. Thank you. Um, so yeah, obviously, uh, I first connected with you on, on LinkedIn quite some time ago. Um, yeah. And it was yeah. your particular approach to maths and the particular kind of mm -hmm. profile around maths that you have that, um, that attracted me to, to you. Um, mm -hmm. And as I think you know, one of the main things that I'm interested in doing um, when both when I teach and when I train and when I um, you know when I design programs for schools the mm. main thing I'm interested in is um, applied learning so trying to bring context sure. and application into whatever we're learning um, mm -hmm. and this for me was something that was um, growing out of my background in language teaching so mm. I think perhaps if there is a spectrum then language mm. teaching is perhaps at one end of that spectrum where it's very, very applied and it's very easy mm. to bring context into it. And as I started mm. to work with teachers from other subjects, uh, my mm. goal was always the same. Whatever subject you teach, you should be able to bring context, you should be able to bring application into your subject. Absolutely. And I yeah. worked with, you know, I started off working with English teachers. And then that mm -hmm. grew to kind of the other humanities areas and it grew and it grew until eventually mm -hmm. I was working with whole faculty, uh, whole faculties in, in schools, which then included, okay. for example, the math teachers. And that's where I okay. hit the wall uh, because my background okay. in maths was not very strong. And mm -hmm. I still believed very, very strongly in the, you know, in the core of my heart, my being, that mm -hmm. maths could be taught this way too. It could be applied, it could be contextualized mm -hmm. just the same as every other subject but I was mm -hmm. not the one who could do it. And I kept coming against these challenges of, well, how do you contextualize this seemingly very abstract thing? And so that's when I got in mm -hmm. touch with you actually a while back and said, Monica, mm -hmm. help me. <laughs> so what's your, what are your uh, thoughts about this? Obviously you kind of, uh, I think, agree with me on this, um, the, the importance of application and context. So what do you think about that in the context of maths? What are your thoughts about it? Uh, both, both the areas that just talked about language and context two nerve centers that you hit and uh, both of these are absolutely 100% required in maths because yeah. every time maths has been abstracted and maths most of the maths that we are learning especially geometry has come from the greeks who right. abstracted mathematics and turned it into a body of they did that because they found it as a brilliant system of reasoning and analysis right, but okay. for a school kid it's too much a school kid while doing uh, convert mixed fractions to improper fractions or uh, find the third angle of wondering why am i learning this yeah right. and therefore that context is Sensible. That context is what asks kids to maths, and there are so many. You bring real life into the math class. You bring a bit of history. 
mm-hmm. why this topic was actually the right, maybe good. history of exams and yeah. um, when nothing works so if a kid says i'm not interested i'm not going to do maths further still why do i have to learn then i also bring in a bit of uh, brain development that when you mm-hmm. three a lot of your logic skills logical skills are built yeah, right, when you do right. uh, algebra your pattern reading skills are built so they need to have the answer to their question why am i learning this if that question yeah. is snubbed which um, most of the at least my teachers snubbed it for me and i believe even presently a lot of teachers don't know the answer to that no, so it's not exactly right that's what kills math yeah yes and every other and, subject uh, i think yeah 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 and language like you rightly said is the foundation to thing so if uh, language needs to be into math and more than that uh this the methods of learning language need to come in maths sure so yeah for, i agree uh, there needs to be a stress on vocabulary maths and understanding vocabulary and there needs yeah. to be stress on writing a math essay or a math paragraph on what yeah. i learned and um, uh what i discovered in fact this was about 2 years ago when i was on a with a very brilliant curriculum designer books that she was designing Uh, i learned that what she told me was that most of the students who do not like maths are linguists actually they are good in language right okay so therefore if you bring the maths class most of the maths phobia is gone and yeah. uh, the books that she designed finally they went into the market and the feedback that came from schools was that when learning from these books their fear of maths is going so she had right. a point there and i realized that she she does have a point that somebody like you suppose yeah you know, i'm a candidate for that you maths this way the write yeah. a story yeah. or write a poem yeah. whatever you have learned today have a page uh, letter to your grandmother or somebody about what you have learned probably yeah, yeah. your brain would grasp the concept i'm sure you're faster. right yeah i mean even when i'm working with teachers again whether it's in maths or in other subjects when a teacher mm-hmm. is struggling to get what i mean by context when i'm talking about context and application and they're struggling because for some teachers and in your training you must have seen this as well some mm-hmm. teachers are the the yeah. idea of context is so alien they don't even know what we're talking totally. about um totally. and when i've got a teacher who's really struggling to kind of pin that down i start mm-hmm. i refer to stories and i say well what's the story yeah. of what you're teaching um and that's the Absolutely. bit in maths that i found when when i can't find the application for maths because i don't have the background mm-hmm. the thing that i can fall yeah. upon is okay well let's if nothing else let's find the story that we can tell to Absolutely. the kids that makes this mm-hmm. interesting and there That's are so beautiful. many things you you talked about the greek history there of kind of the mm-hmm. abstraction of maths which i think is really interesting mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. sometimes you know teachers math teachers will say to me you know no 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 there really is no application for this this really is just an academic pursuit and i said well at the very least can't we think of who was the person where you know some hundred years ago who was the guy that and, and it usually is a Absolutely. man you know who was that man who mm-hmm. woke up and said hmm what happens when i do this with this number and there's got to be some yeah. narrative some story some yeah. something that you can kind of share yeah. um and that yeah no i think you're right about that because that's it seems that that, that approach comes naturally to me where the the mm-hmm. more mathematical approach is lost on me in most most times mm-hmm. yeah 
you're not the first. Yeah. <laughs> sure, no, I, 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 I don't think it's any accident or any coincidence that maths seems to be amongst the most hated subjects in school. And I think that that's yeah. sad, yeah. but it seems to be quite mm -hmm. true. Um, and I think you're right. There's too much abstraction in maths. Um, and I wonder what you think as well. All of that abstraction, all of that, the bit where some you know once upon a time the 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 greek culture decided maths was interesting and, and fun and they did these abstract things with it i wonder mm. i feel if you approach maths that way with kids for the first time it will turn them mm. off but if you can get them engaged yeah. in maths to begin with then they will find yeah. that enjoyment in it as well has that been your experience mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how uh, a lot of fantastic teachers do. Uh, for example, um, somebody, a bunch of teachers I was observing, uh, they gave kids, let's say, a stack of newspapers and asked them that you have to build a bridge using two sticks in a way that that stays. I should be able to put a one kg of weights on it okay. and figure out how do you do it. So this is how maths developed. So let's right. say the Russians were using maths and the grief of what they were doing and they abstracted mm. the principles. So if you put students in, in, in the Egyptians and you say, okay, um, do the math, do the math not as a, as a principle without knowing the principle, uh, figure out how to do this. So a lot of projects are built like that. Um, right. The other way, if projects are not possible, is like I did with uh, grade 11. And uh, at the end of the year, they told me that was the most memorable chapter for them with SL students. So instead of going straight into, you know, if you have a question type, use this method, this type, use this method, which teachers are used to, I saw a problem at them. And I said, you know what probability is? How would you solve this? So the entire class got into group pride and they got got to know yeah higher and a higher and a higher challenge and the final challenge it took them about one hour to crack one problem okay. and then i asked them don't you think it would be nice if there were some tools <laughs> yeah right using which we could solve these and this yeah way. so i said okay so math uh you know i do a little bit drama you know this is where maths has come to the rescue of humanity maths people have these few tools would you like to learn that of course no we don't want to spend 45 minutes to do a problem <laughs> so i can teach them just the tools you know you can use a venn diagram you can use a chart here here is something called a and now i would ask them now can you do a match the following and see which is good for which problem and they were so excited so enthusiastic yeah. and they were able to figure it out because they were working in group and my condition was that everybody in the group has to understand because I can come and do a viva with any one of you so the brighter ones they have to ensure that the weaker ones also it's that's like, nice I like that yeah it's like climbing a mountain you know all of your time yeah. so they they got it and um, I was shocked because a chapter for which let's say in the yearly plan we had about 10 to 12 days finished in six to seven days because the kids wow. were so and I felt yeah there is something about this about the kids straight away mm -hmm. but uh, let them see the context behind the rules so this is where the context yeah. was that can be solved in multiple ways but the most efficient and the most economic way is the one which a maths brain would have figured it out 
when it came out, yeah, it was a little right. bit of an awe for the maths people. So it was you know, maths is useless, but it yeah. was, maths people they do have some job to do. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, there's so many things that you've used the word tools a few times there. It's interesting as well. That's another parallel with language, I think, because I often use that yeah. word uh, when I'm yeah. talking about language as a tool for communication. Um, yeah. And you've talked about tools a lot. There are so many things that even in my, you know, I talk about a lot. I talk about maths, how most of the things that I learned in maths um, in school, you know, I've not really used since. And that is true. Um, but mm. there are also a lot of things that would be more in my grasp today if I had a better understanding of some mathematical principles sure. and not particularly advanced principles, just things that I either yeah. didn't pay much attention to at school or they weren't presented in that contextual way where mm. if a teacher had said to me, hey, when you're 25, 30, 35, you're going to have this, you know, you're going to need to fix something in your apartment or you're going to need to, you know, uh, work this thing out. And here's the tool for doing that. Um, yeah. I'm quite certain I would have remembered these things so much better than I have. So tools is definitely, I think, the right word for the job. Um, I would differ here because this doesn't work with kids. If you say when you're right. 35, you will need it. They sure. Sometimes they would say, I learned it at that time. So Sure. Yeah, well, that's valid. That's valid. Kids need a context that makes sense right there yeah. and there. Yeah. So no, for a lot that. of concepts, for a lot of concepts, a question could simply be asked to them, who knows this topic or whose life would be affected if this topic was not there? So let's, let's say we were doing fractions and mixed fractions. And I just asked who, and came up with a lot of examples. Let's say that like a designer or a tailor, all these people know what mixed fractions are and because they deal it in the day-to-day life. So similarly, for any topic, even be differential calculus, it could be uh, right, could be quadratic equations, and you just ask them who needs it. Now, if they don't have immediate an immediate answer, then let's search for it because yeah. the bottom line is there is nothing which has been created in this unit which is useless. Right. I yeah, so that's right. There's so there's bound to be some use for it. Like I said, end of the day, if nothing else works, I tell the kids that we need in order to live and different subjects help different parts of the brain. Sure. And maths sure. is a to chisel out something in your head. Yeah. That I found used to satisfy even the worst of the skeptics were yeah, yeah. satisfied. No, that, that sounds you, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So maths is a tool to develop your own brain. Yeah, no, that's true. That's very good. And I agree Mm -hmm. completely about, you know, you said nothing is useless. I, one thing I often say to what teachers, when I'm trying to, again, encourage this use of application, I'll tell teachers, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're teaching something, that question that you raised earlier, when the student says to you, uh, why are Mm -hmm. we learning this? And Mm -hmm. often, far, far too often, teachers don't have not just a good answer, they don't have any yeah. answer. You know, they they're just have bad. there's answer. no answer for that, right? right. Um, as I tell teachers, you know, if you don't know the answer to that, um, mm-hmm. then what you're teaching has no use. And if you're teaching something that's useless, why are you teaching it? But the secret mm-hmm. is nothing is useless. If you look hard mm-hmm. enough, if you think yeah. enough, you will find the use, you know, what somebody I, somewhere I, has a use for this. I call those teachers math murderers. So I ask them <laughs> in my set, are you a creator or a murderer? 
and okay. I tell them the difference. So it it actually has uh, actually has given very positive results. You know, they are suddenly stopped. They suddenly stop in the tracks. I said, are you creating masses of the kids or are you murdering it? But I do it in a very very empathic way. I, empathy is the on which to work. So I say it's not really your fault or my fault if we we are murdering maths. It's how we were taught because our teacher was taught. So yeah. probably when I was in school, if you asked a question, you were just because the teacher was taught. Yeah. And she says, okay, nobody ever taught you why two into one by three is one by six. Why is fraction division the way it is? Can you find it today? Now that questions answer can be found on Google. Uh-huh. So can you go today? So that kind of gives them because if 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 I straight away say you're murdering maths, I you know very well the teachers will just shut down. But of course, like, okay, yeah. uh, nobody nobody taught you. But now can we go ahead and learn and then kind of uh, kind of open up and uh, we do something. But it is. Uh, it is difficult. It is difficult yeah. to. Uh, no, that's right. It's, it's sometimes you are up. No, that's right. There's something that, um, again, that, that links up with, with one of the perspectives I, I often use. Um, you talked about how teachers often learn from their own teachers, right? So if you're mm-hmm. teaching something in a particular way, it stands to reason that you probably your teachers taught that way as well. Um, and I always, I often think that teaching as a profession, there's something kind of unique about teaching because not many other professions do you learn how to be that thing, how to be the the practitioner by being the patient. So if you want yeah. to become a doctor, you go to doctor's school and learn from the best in the world how to be a doctor. You don't learn how to become a doctor by being a patient for yeah. 12 yeah. years, you know. So most teachers really although they do go to college and they do get training, the foundation of their practice comes from their Mm -hmm. teachers. And so there's this Mm -hmm. cycle. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, for you, who obviously, um, you know, approaches teaching maths in a very different way from the traditional approach, Mm -hmm. what was the birth of that Mm -hmm. in you? You've already talked about your, your, your dad. Um, Mm. Was, was it, was it your dad that kind of uh, brought um, this to you? Or what, how do you have it? Really, because he was uh, doing very traditional maths. I think that's a very deep perception you have that the key thing about teaching is that you're learning to teach as you're. So it's like you're learning to swim into water. So yeah, that's right. a difficult part of teaching as a profession. I think for me, it was uh, it was the BH, the Bachelor of Education College that I entered. That's the okay. premier college in India in the university. It's called Central Institute of Education or CIE, as we call it here. I think uh, for me, and they take only 25 kids a year at least. This was way back in early 90s. used to take only 25 kids uh, in one batch. Okay. And uh, uh, for a lot of who are alumni from that college CIE created us so uh, they it's it's the professors there it's the passion with which they work it's it's the way they would go in life to philosophy of to tools to teach and admin so the entire uh, passion that they had was transferred to us so by the time right. And CIE, what we do is, it's a 10-month course. And in the second week, uh, you classrooms, go teach. 
Okay. So you are doing three days a week and two wow, days yeah. you are assigned a school. You have to go inside and your supervisor, they're observing you while you're trying to teach. So the professor that I had, Professor Krishna Kumar, he is a very, very respected name in India. He was our supervisor. So I would say he was a person, second person, I would say, uh, who I, I still remember after my first trial class, end of which I thought, I'm no good. I should not even be in, into this course. Yeah, and I saw his notes in my lesson plan notebook and he had written the was, you are a born teacher. And wow. I was like, wow, what is this? So for me, it was, um, it was when I entered the first classroom that I felt this is my calling. This is what That's I great. want to do. And I was child-centric right from the word go. Right. And it was a trainee, which I trained and chemistry and I pandered uh, in maths and I remember a student had asked me some question about chemistry and I didn't know the answer and I actually went back to my professor who's a chemistry professor in the university and I went to her so I was I it, it just became very natural and uh, because I was very young the kids were friends more like friends and they used to ask questions very freely mm -hmm. and I would go and look for answers yeah. And that whole process brought this me, even I remember I had to teach square root and square root symbol is like this. And I started thinking the symbol this way. There has to be, and I actually went into history and I came to know it came from the symbol small r and r during the things turned into a symbol like this. So it was a lot of fun wow. for me. Yeah, right, so, I used yeah. to, so I used to do an exercise that what can I get out? this chapter and I used to think no, I need to go with the answer to that and the wow, more yeah. I did the more fun teaching became and the map with the kids developed so it was like one thing feeding to the other uh, that's what led me to uh, teach in a different way so my colleagues used to say why are you wasting so much time and I said I need to know I need to know why yeah. this thing is and yeah. um, the school I started teaching in, had another school on the same campus, Mirambika, Miram teachers who had all the answers. So I was surrounded by uh, teachers uh, in my school around, which, which had the answers. So that also kind of uh, added to it. But by and large, it was that if a kid asks me a question, I need to have the answer. If I don't yeah, have yeah. the answer, I used to say then, okay, give me and I'll get it for you. Yeah. And um, I taught for about 20 years and I, I ever did not go back because you know kids, you know, they remember. She said 48 <laughs> hours, so That's if right. you're not there by 49, uh, 47 and 9 minutes, they'll come searching for you. Yeah, so that's right, I went yeah. back and then over the years, I started thinking, let me figure out myself, question can they ask and I will get uh, get an yeah. answer. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I mean, it must help that you are interested yourself in finding those answers. Um, yeah. Obviously, you became a maths teacher and I became a language teacher. I think it's no surprise that those are the subjects that we are particularly interested in. Um, I didn't yeah. really enjoy much of school. Uh, you know, I didn't, it, there weren't many subjects I particularly enjoyed. I wasn't very good um, at most subjects mm -hmm. in school, but language was the standout subject for me. Um, and not only was I good at it, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and so when mm -hmm. I teach it now, um, mm -hmm. like, like you, it's something that I 
I enjoy learning about. And every time a student asks me a question that I can't answer, I'm excited to find mm. out the answer with them. Um, and uh, yeah, it, I think we, there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah. It also um, helped the community. I worked in some very progressive schools, so right. community was also very helpful in yeah, that way. I, teachers, uh, if they are in the right community, that makes a lot of difference. No, that's so good. I was that going to ask you that well. question. So tell tell us a bit more about that. Some of the schools that you've worked in, where this has been embraced, and if you've had any schools where perhaps it's not been quite so well embraced. Okay, so my first school was where it was not very well embraced. It was uh, a CBC school in, in New Delhi a conventional exam-oriented school. So while the school has a very empathic ethos for the kids, the sheer size and the number with about 2,000 kids and uh, a very traditional structure rooted into it, they, they haven't really embraced it fully. But they gave other teachers the full freedom to figure out for herself how to do it. So right. I switched to alternate education because I could not handle the sheer of math the traditional education attracted right india at least at that time uh, was god you know yeah you've got to be good otherwise what could you do especially for boys because boys right. in math and right. i was fighting i was fighting the parents fighting the colleagues and although my students did very well i award for best results with all my creative methods but i felt that this is not the where it can be practiced and um, so I moved to a school called Mirambika on the same campus. And uh, Mirambika is the opposite. So they have no exams. Right. Basically okay. move with your own pace. And that's where I kind of uh, created and I invented a lot of ways of teaching. Good, yeah. Because for me, the goal was where the kid needs to move forward in math and move forward with So I would see what's the way is what's coming in the way uh, that my lesson is not good enough, let me improve it. What's coming in the way is the kid has a very low self-esteem because I am, you know, kid's language, I suck at math. Then I need to work on self-esteem. Yeah, I need right. to figure out why is it low. For example, a girl came to and uh, she would say, I'm so bad at math, so bad at math. And uh, so I told her, look, you have maths the center of your life. Mm. Your life needs to be in the center. You know, maths needs to be on the edge and contributing to it. So Good, yeah. when they heard things like these from a maths that it's okay if you're bad at maths. That's that right. real difference. And there so I found that times the stress of wanting to do good in maths dropped and they actually did better. So that was for yep. all of us uh, a big uh, success. So yep. I moved to education i moved to a school called i went to a school uh, which is run on the ethos of uh, j krishnamurti of okay. india yep and uh, that is another you can say explosion for me because that is completely based on relationships so I learned how through the sheer of relating to children they will do anything so and after be open for me. So I worked in an IB school in Gurgaon and in, in north of India, in New Delhi. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where there was my international explosion. So I'm in touch with the community of international education, international education. And uh, that was completely mind-blowing when I went yeah. to Google to see exactly how 
intuitive maths can be and the whole way of bringing multiple intelligences in so and uh, school where i worked in pathways gave a complete freedom to innovate to explore to figure out your answers so they also have a very children so while it was important that the results sync but priority was that you know kid needs to grow with a healthy sense of safety that me lot i started getting freelancing projects and i was teaching and freelancing both side by side and uh, okay. then things moved i teach training and then i finally decided okay maybe let's quit teaching for few i thought let me just take a break from teaching but it's been 7 years i i still miss it a little bit every day but i haven't really felt like going back to it uh, yeah, full time yeah, yeah. i think some will either online teaching or offline i will probably just go back and go back to the kids yeah yeah like as i said i i find that often the well i don't know for you for me when i'm teaching when i'm training the teachers um there's often a lot of the subject material that it feels like you're still teaching the subject anyway i don't know if that's the same for you um for mm. me in, in particular because i'm often teaching uh well especially when i'm teaching language teachers i'm teaching english teachers mm. and i'm in an an efl or an esl environment anyway so maybe mm. the english teacher is not you know perfectly fluent in english anyway even though they're an english teacher so i'm training mm. them uh in the the teaching practice the methodology but often i'm also helping them understand the subject perhaps a little bit more deeply than they do um mm. and i wonder to what extent that might be the same for you as well because even with maths you always kind of assume that when somebody chooses to teach a subject it's because they are strong in that subject um mm. but i know i've definitely seen you know even even with maths where perhaps i thought that this was only true in the languages but i've seen in maths and in other subjects as well um often where a student might ask the teacher a question and the teacher doesn't know the answer and it's not a specially deep question you know it seems to be a fairly shallow question it just seems like the teacher hasn't really mastered that topic that they're mm-hmm. teaching as much as perhaps you would like them to have so uh, what what's in perhaps your experience being in india in particular or um or just generally speaking what have you found working with teachers um what's their level of maths mastery are they usually where you'd expect them to be or are they still kind of perhaps below the the performance in maths that you that you'd hope for uh, okay that's that's a great question so here teachers are divided like into three categories primary middle and senior uh-huh. and sat tgt and um, pgt so i find the teachers who teach grade 6 upwards their maths concepts are very steady they know it right. they know the math sure. they know the yeah, rules okay. they know how to solve the problems probably better than me if right. we how why what where is yep. is the, that seasoning as i call it is what's completely missing in mm. most of the teachers, uh, although there is a very sizable number of teachers who are themselves in progressive schools and they are very different uh in primary because um uh you anybody can be a primary teacher in most of the schools without being yeah, a subject so there are a lot of primary teachers i have met in my training who themselves maths phobic 
Right. And a lot of times after training, they say, you know, you know, my maths phobia has gone. So okay. uh, it's in primary that I have uh, often encountered teachers uh, who wouldn't know the concept or who wouldn't know the why behind the Sometimes are making the mistake because it's, it's not really their fault. They don't want to be there. And in yeah, yeah, several yeah. schools, primary, especially in grade one and two, one teacher handles all the subjects along with an assistant teacher. So they don't want to be in the maths class. They would rather someone else deals with it. They're very uncomfortable themselves. So, uh, there you could find teachers who have a conceptual issue also. But all in all, I have seen it in maybe just about 10% of the teachers. But yeah. uh, grade six upwards, they are... Uh, they are very solid. In yeah, sure. They okay. can, yeah, that makes and sense. As you go up, uh, they get even better and better. And yeah. they can solve any problem under the sun. Yeah, sure. Now that makes sense. My that makes opinion. sense. Yeah. Another area that might be different uh, between us, again, we've talked a lot about some of the similarities and the crossovers between maths and language. Uh, another area that I suspect will be different. Um, as a language teacher, I've done quite a lot of uh, teaching adults. So again, this is not just, yeah. you know, training teachers and the language issue comes up. This is, you know, students yeah. who are adult students learning English. Um, I presume you've, you've not done as much of that as a maths teacher or do you do, do you, no, do you teach no. maths to adults? Not really. No, I haven't had to. We don't, I don't think there is, uh, I think there is only one organization in India, the IIT, Indian Institute of Technology. And there are a couple of very experienced teachers who do refresher courses for teachers for math. Yeah, okay. and, right, yeah. uh, but there are very few. I haven't done those. And uh, those are, again, refresher courses where they go deeper into the research. What's the present research happening? Right. Because, right. um, like like we said, we assume that if you're teaching an examination class, then you must be knowing your concepts must be themselves very very clear. So yeah. that issue hasn't come. I think, uh, yeah, that's a very different from language teaching. Yeah, I would have thought so. So I wonder though, mm -hmm. for the um, going back to just the idea of the the love of maths, the enjoyment of maths that you're trying to build within mm -hmm. students. Um, mm -hmm. You've taught, although not adults. For the children you've taught at, at various levels various ages uh, yeah, um, yeah. do you find that that love of maths is something that has to be established early on or it's too late or do you have success um bringing older children you know maybe senior or high school children who don't like maths um do you still have as much success bringing them to maths even though is there, do you find there's a, a a deadline for this or can you do it at any age I can do it with my experience, um, but obviously the earlier the better. The fear of maths uh, internationally starts somewhere in grade five when fractions step into the students' lives, especially <laughs> sure, fractions yeah. with different denominators. Uh, yeah. But I have been able to get kids to love maths at any age through my these crazy ideas through group learning. But most importantly, it's because of the act which I still hold very clear that which is where my kids called my way of teaching humane maths that right. the person are more important to me so i'll give you one example that i had a student who was a child prodigy where music and language are concerned so even when she okay. was in grade six which is 10 year old she was in the school choir and she was also the editor of the school magazine she wow. was she is the genius in these two subjects sure. But where maths is concerned, she wouldn't want to enter the math class. 
she would she used to just stand at the door. She was wow. traumatized. And since her mother was insistent, no, you cannot not do a subject. She used to do spend something like four or five hours in the evening to just do maths and wow. music. And music was maybe she was she was teaching herself piano, violin. She sang, she wrote songs, and she was doing all that. Let's say in half an hour and forty minutes. Right. So she came to me and she said, "Although I'm trying every day for four hours and four hours and four hours, I'm still flunking, and I and I feel I'm hitting uh, against a wall, and I'm through." So I was, uh, I should. I said, "Here is a child prodigy. The music teacher is telling everybody that she's going to be some, and actually today." She's she's doing a graduation. She's doing gigs around New Delhi. She already has wow. a music group. She writes her wow. own songs. She has followers. I, at that time, she was in grade six or seven, and I thought this is this is criminal. Why is she doing four hours of math? So I told her reverse it. Do four hours of your music, mm-hmm. and whatever yeah. you want to do, and when you want to take a break, that's when you do let's say half an hour, forty-five minutes of math. and it was as if you know her face was a bulb lit up inside her it was she was so happy and that's how slowly her barrier towards math started dropping a little bit more a little bit more she started feeling interested in the class and one day i told her that i've heard that a lot of math goes into making of music so can you right. maybe explain to us how does it sure. happen and she was very short she took a chair stood on it we didn't understand anything whatever she said she was talking about fractions yeah simple fractions complex fractions harmonies and we didn't understand right. anything but we were so focused because we were like wow we were like how much she knows we were like right. wowed by her yeah yeah just and mesmerized by her intelligence totally and the turning point came uh, this is where the crazy whole brain project works so well turning point came when i gave them project of uh, design a maths magazine and i said you need to design a magazine and i gave them whole list of criteria it should be prize it's going to it should be understood by grade 5 and pick any four maths concepts and develop a maths magazine with complete with advertisements and everything and uh, that's where i came to know her skill in language because she submitted to me something which was done on adobe 13 14 pages which wow. i sent to the school uh, principal to the director everybody under the sun in the school and i said please wherever you meet this girl pat her on the back for the brilliant work that she has done the school marketing team put it on the school website because they said it's just such brilliant piece of work and that right. girl was shocked that i am being praised in the maths class yeah right so right. more than her you can imagine the resistance to the maths class completely fell so this is what sure. i mean a kid has to come to maths yeah right bringing the kid to the maths, maths. i like it yeah yeah, yeah. No, so like these are the things uh, because of which I don't think I think I became a teacher in pathways in my IB school my reputation became as a teacher who who can get phobia out of any kid so if any right. parent came to the principal with kids and said my kid is so traumatized blah 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 and the principal would say i have just the right classroom for you for your kids right. so i i was able to do that uh, what surprises me is um, i think except teachers who are themselves in progressive schools 
how little acceptance is there for this so if if the right. teachers say um 80% of my class is afraid of math and i would say when you have taught something why don't you do a 3 minute think pair share why don't you mm-hmm. ask them to let's do a journal entry on whatever i understood there's a sudden closure no we don't have time yeah. for this yeah i i that's i am actually uh, i cannot understand why yeah. it is so yeah yeah do you, do so you i wonder that? Do you think i do that? very much so i think there's mm-hmm. two sides of that, that that i agree completely with um the teachers the individuals that i work with and then also mm-hmm. their um their position in the faculty so when i'm yeah. working with teachers often they are you know i'm bringing in completely new ideas that they've not really mm-hmm. encountered before mm-hmm. um and there's often a rejection of the new ideas and you yeah. said not yeah. time that's you're right that's mm-hmm. often the argument is we don't have time for that um and my mm-hmm. my kind of fundamental response to the time argument because it's i think the most ubiquitous argument and it's kind of true yeah. um there's there's a truth to it at least that you know teachers don't have yeah. a lot of time the one thing that teachers mm-hmm. all around the world can agree on i think is that there's just not enough time mm-hmm. um but what what i find once you open yourself up to a lot of these strategies they are yeah. they're saving time the the you know it feels like you're adding something yeah. new so it's, okay well i already yeah. do this and you're asking me to add something Um yeah. and a lot of the time the strategies are not about adding something they're just different yeah. ways of doing something and often they are yeah, they're yeah. saving time they're time efficient um and so but it's hard to to present that you know until it's been demonstrated until mm-hmm. you can show them um i find that yeah. there's a lot of rejection and time your right time is the the mm-hmm. challenge i think and then the other side of that is once you've got a teacher on board they often then also feel a little bit alienated from the rest of their faculty which is one of the reasons oh, i now like working yeah. with a whole faculty mm-hmm. So now all of the time I'm working with the whole school um mm-hmm. and although different teachers get on board mm-hmm. you know more or less quickly uh or if mm-hmm. I'm working with the whole faculty they can kind of all mm-hmm. share an understanding of what we're trying to mm-hmm. achieve together but what I yeah. find when I do training where I'm working with one teacher or, or you know I've got mm-hmm. a group of teachers from five different schools mm-hmm. each of those teachers goes back to their school and then they come to mm-hmm. me and they say my school doesn't have time for they won't let yeah. me try it you know and that's another challenge that i face you're right because uh, that's something which i faced uh, in all the schools that i worked uh, the colleagues you know they they can't stand that one person is moving ahead yeah. being more creative yeah. appreciated kids are liking so while the heads were very supportive and the heads of department yeah. or the principals but that that kind of ostracizing is has happened so yeah. the kids love you the parents love right, you exactly. but your colleagues look at you as uh, you know why is she working so yeah. hard to yeah. make yes, uh, something that's it, yeah. loving yeah. and the second thing you're very right is in a demonstration because i have seen groups of teachers completely close to an idea then i would say okay let me go into your class and show you how it's right. done and exactly. at the end of it they're like more work was done i would have taken one week to do what you did in one yeah, lesson and right. the kids are happier and yeah. they and i would also take a short test at the end of it you know those 2 minutes test uh, but i have also seen schools where there are such amazing in such small cities in india it is that's what kept, keeps me going in my work it is unbelievable the kind of work teachers are doing in small cities they have no resources Right, so there's yeah. a teacher in a very small city and he said 
the more I am, the faster my syllabus goes. And he discovered it himself. So he finishes yeah. the syllabus like four months to exam. He's all done because yeah. the kids love his classes. And the kids often say, sir, you do your creative stuff. We will learn the ex we will do the exercise ourselves at home. Yeah. And I've seen in rural India teacher teaching in uh, Gaman school, and I heard his uh, he, about his classes, and I said, "Do you know that you what you're doing is called multiple intelligences?" And he didn't know, and all no I idea. did was just, <laughs> just give him the eye. He said, yeah. and he said, "I just see what each child is like, and based on what each child is like, I wrestle up an activity and I." Give it to them. I said, you're completely doing, and this is some of the most beautiful strategies in the world. And he was very happy to hear that, but he was like, okay, that's okay. The kids like it. what I do. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, it's my work. And he has yeah. some like 25 to 30 kids in a class. It's not uh, less. And right, uh, right, right. he used to be there for every session that I used to work with an organization that works in rural sector used to be there for all the sessions even yeah, if you had right. to take a leave from school because he said no i get something and then he's the one yeah. who came back and said you know i tried compare share with the kindergarten kids and it worked very well they, <laughs> great, they were also great. talking to each other so yeah, great. that's i think that's my muse yeah that's amazing and again you know it's great when there's an environment that supports it going back to mm -hmm. what you said about the um the ostracization, the ostracization, I think comes, yeah. there's two, at least as I've seen it, there's two sources for that. One is that, uh, I mean, that it's two forms of threat. It's a, it's a sense of threat, I mm -hmm. think. One is that um, this teacher becomes the favorite teacher and all of the other teachers don't like that. <laughs> they don't yeah. like that yeah. this person is the favorite teacher of the students. The other thing I think that worries um, and that causes the, um, the conflict is that and something that I always try to make clear in my training as well when I'm working with teachers is the the goal of my training, the goal of the work that I do is to make the teaching more efficient, the teaching more effective. Essentially, the learning yeah. is easier, but it's not easier as a teacher. You've got to work harder to do this. I'm not pretending that mm. I'm giving you less work. It is harder. Mm. You have to, you know, surprise, mm. surprise. If you want to do a better job, you have to work a little bit harder. Um, mm -hmm. And so when you've got teachers who are willing to go the extra mile and work harder, mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes I think the other teachers look and say, we're going to get in trouble. You're making us look bad because <laughs> you're doing all of this hard work that we can't. Or we may be expected to do the same. Exactly. So yeah. That, yeah. I think, yeah. So I think that, that might that, be what it is. Yeah. I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, that yeah. I faced a lot. So slowly the teachers start looking at you like, it's like uh, Jonathan Siegel, that story. So why is she different? So they would be more teach. I think in every department in school, there is at least one person who tends to get ostracized because that person is going the extra mile to do something different. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's what I've seen with many teachers in the schools that I've worked. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, mm -hmm. I was going to say something then. I can't remember. It'll come back to me. I, I wonder though as well. That with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I wonder as well. You um, talked about the importance of the community and the the school. We talked about the schools yeah. that you work in, the community. Mm -hmm. um, you also do instructional design, so you're writing programs and you're writing materials. I wonder what role you think the curriculum plays in this, uh, you know, this, this problem of kind of maths phobia. Um, obviously, the way that the teacher is teaching is a very important part of this. But what about the curriculum? Does the do you feel that the curriculum? Yeah, that's a, that's some a great. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it plays a huge role. That if the teachers had something ready 
probably there would be less risk because if teachers had uh, a ready reckoner and a certain freedom you've got two things happening in the education management industry with schools that there are some organizations who are doing curriculum design for the teachers but it has become very prescriptive right yeah. either the organization who sells it to the school says okay we are going to come and see how your teachers are doing it and they've got to do what we are telling them because our curriculum is based on this, this education educationist and obviously it's not going to work fully because teaching is a very present moment exercise right. uh, the other organizations are organizations where they say that okay here is a ready curriculum for your teachers to use but this is our suggestion and if the teacher wants to tweak it this way or that way yeah uh, that's okay with us so uh, i think it's just if the second kind of curriculum works well and uh, yeah, that was the community support that uh, we got in the ib school that we were working okay. in where the hod used to say that i want your lesson plan but i don't care if you change it fully in your next yeah. lesson plan i just tell me did you change anything or not and why did you yeah. do that that's all yeah. so they yeah. ib made, made me more more and more reflective because the heads would say um every good teacher would tweak the lesson plan a little bit right yeah that level of freedom so along with yeah. curriculum that certain autonomy to the teacher yeah, i think that's, that's what works that's yeah. what works best so yeah. if you give uh, let's say uh, the ib school gave us laptops and wifi and that was like that's was enough because there are so many open source material available sure yeah which yeah, i think yeah. and i think the teachers are discovering it now because that whole buzz that we were hoping the teachers would get they are feeling it now because classes are completely flipped they have right, to teach right. online they need mm -hmm. interesting material to hold the kids and yeah. in the whatsapp groups that i am in with educators i feel that buzz now you know oh, i discovered this great website and i'm going to use it how do i do assessment so now they are asking the questions because probably they have that space you know nobody is breathing down that's right yeah yeah that's true that's true and, yeah and and ib has showed that if teachers are given sufficient autonomy they can come build their own curriculum or if yeah. they are given a ready curriculum right. they can tweak it and do a brilliant job so it's just that space is i think what teachers need that just space yeah. some trust some respect and yeah no um, i agree completely i uh, you, you, you said uh you talked about teaching being an in the moment activity and i think that's a, mm -hmm. a nice phrase um it yeah. reminds me of something that i kind of protested against here in indonesia uh quite a while ago um i don't think i was successful i think it's still the same but um mm -hmm. here teachers are expected to write their entire book of lesson plans one year in advance so they have to have at the beginning of the year oh. they have to have all of their lesson plans in a folder submitted to the principal um oh and apart from, right i mean apart from the fact that it's a it's a just an incredible mountain of work that the teacher has to do yeah. it's just such an overload i also think that you know for me uh when i plan my when i plan my lessons the day that i'm teaching or the night before they're always better mm -hmm. if i have to plan far in advance yeah. i find that my own mindset changes from one day to the mm -hmm. next so that if i plan a lesson today but i don't teach it until next week i might not be in the same kind of mental space that i was when i wrote the plan absolutely and if, if a teacher yeah. has to write their plan 6 months 12 months in advance 
they don't know yeah. where they're going to be. They don't know where their students are going to be. I think you have to be planning, as you said, in yeah. the moment. I think that that's in the moment. Yeah. Or, or like we would do weekly plans, but to know that I have the freedom to tweak it. Yes. That's so for example, yeah. I went into class once thinking this is a great lesson plan. And, and I was on sky, you know, seventh heaven that this is a great lesson plan and my kids are going to love it. It was a disaster for various reasons. And five minutes into the lesson, I was very mad. You know, I worked so hard and they, they are just not understanding what I want. But five minutes into the lesson, I understood this is not working. So I had right. given the whole class task sheets and these were these uh, 11 years old looking at me with such innocence and saying, ma'am, we just don't get it. And yeah. so I had to stop it. I had to say, okay, just throw these task sheets and let's go back to the board and book and let me teach you. And yeah. everything was peaceful. And in 20 minutes, I, I was able to finish 40 minutes task. And my HOD, she loved it. She That's said, good. I loved it that you had the present moment sense or the common sense to just drop what was not working. Good, yeah. So yeah. I think um, what I always feel is while so much attention is going to children, so little is going to us. I think a school needs to be seen as a learning community. If yes, we are I differentiating agree. learning for kids, we need to differentiate teacher education. I agree. Yeah. You yeah, cannot yeah. say every class will have a smart class and every teacher will do. I mean, there may mm -hmm. be teachers who do not want to do it, let's say now. Maybe they, they need six months to do like first time when I was shown a smart board, I was frozen. Sure. I was like, what is this? And they gave me a pen. They said, write on it. <laughs> I, I was absolutely frozen. I said, but I don't need it. I have a laptop and Wi-Fi and a projector. I don't need a smart class with ready sure. content into it. Yeah. Uh, I can give you 100 websites with great material. For me, yeah. it was important that fluidity of content was important. And a smart class yeah. with its ready content was like, I, I can't do it. So... To have teachers also that I think teacher education needs to bring in differentiation yeah, in sure. the training program. For yeah, the I teachers agree. Yeah, I agree. To, to which is um, which which is needed. I think too much is expected. Like like you said so beautifully, the teachers are learning how to teach as they are teaching, and right. the product that we are expecting is a student who who cultivates a sense of lifelong learning, not. Yep anything else so yeah uh, that requires a lot of compassion towards yeah. the teachers yeah. no you're right you're right was, you're right and yeah there's a there's an important shift in perspective that i think you've highlighted there as well um when mm -hmm. you talked about you know adapting in the middle of the lesson uh, realize mm -hmm. that something isn't working and adapting and whether we're doing that as teachers with students or trainers with teachers um i think yeah. that there's a kind of a misconception a very kind of a stand the standard perspective is that yeah. a successful lesson is when you tick you when you complete the lesson plan and a yeah, failed lesson is when is, the lesson yeah. plan right yeah. whereas You're obviously right. you, you would agree yeah. with me i think that a successful Absolutely. lesson is when the students understand and if you have to drop the lesson plan and do something else mm -hmm. you know completing a lesson plan but having confused mm -hmm. students is not a successful yeah. lesson right yeah and and you're very right that this is how it should be in teacher training because mm. uh, uh, initially, 
was quite rigid about my training because here I was a teacher from IB school with all my hi-fi ideas and I thought I would sure. revolutionize education in India. Sure. Yeah. But uh, all those, all those, I mean, I had to cut the chips on my shoulders bit by bit. So yeah, yeah. one thing when I saw how amazing some of the Indian teachers were and that kind of made me very humble. And the second thing I realized that jargon is i'm just completely putting the teachers off so i yeah, had to simplify so my language yeah and yeah. the final thing i had to learn was what you said that to make my sessions only adaptable so let's say mm-hmm. uh, one group i was in, in in eastern part of india and i went with six or seven best practices packed with them and just when i was doing collaborative learning everything stopped because they had so many questions. How will right. you do it if this yeah. happens? Yeah. They completely took over the session with their questions. And I went with it. Yeah, For the next good, yeah. two hours, I was asked, answering their question. How do we do it yeah. in kindergarten? What, what, what if, what if, what if? And I had all the answers because I had yeah. faced those situations. Right, right, and yeah, at the yeah. end of it, the group of teachers, the head of the department told me, you know, you have solved the biggest problem we had in the math department. And I thought, okay, well, then that's a successful workshop because they got <laughs> yeah. something. This I couldn't yeah. do the other six best yeah. practices. Now that's it. This yeah, is something I'm, I also learned by right. training teachers that I need to be adaptable. Yeah, that's uh, really good. Let's say another session, the teachers were very edgy. They weren't focusing. They weren't answering any questions. And so I stopped the training and I said, I am not a speaker. I am not mm-hmm. here to yeah. teach you. This is supposed yeah. to be an interactive session. So what is going wrong is it, is it my workshop because that's always the first thought you know is it my content is it not good enough yeah. and then one of them who was quite a good speaker and she said no we are just too stressed out so i said okay here you have 45 minutes let's discuss stress is the teacher's face and what do we do with it i put them into groups share with each other because one person's stress could be another person's yeah. strength learn from yeah, each other good. and there was such a difference in the energy in the room and yeah. uh, after 40 minutes they said fine we are fine and they were all happy had a glass of water drink something go for a walk came back and the session went so this is something i learned over the years as i trained yeah, that's that i need to be as adaptable with teachers as i yeah, was with good. children and sometimes even more because uh, teachers are sometimes much more vulnerable than right yeah and very complex adults right yeah yeah there's a couple of things i want to respond to there um yeah the uh yeah that last point first let's go with that uh this when you had that the student the teachers who were stressed and you kind of just Mm -hmm. took some time to deal with that stress makes me think of as well the way that i have relatively recently in the last couple of years of my training um tried to make a, a very kind of conscious effort to reposition myself as a trainer where um Often as a trainer, you know, you're hired by the school or you're paid by the school, you're invited by the school, the administration, the head, and you you kind of, or at least I always kind of felt like um, I was working with the head, you know, so we were kind of at the top and I was working with or for the head to instruct the the teachers. Um, And over time and in recent years, I've repositioned myself. Yeah, I'm hired by the head and I'm paid by the head or by the administration. 
but I'm here for the teachers. My responsibility mm -hmm. is to the teachers. Um, and this makes mm -hmm. me think of the way you talk about humane maths and kind of, you know, the, the humanity yeah. of it. I think that that's something I try now to incorporate into my training as well. I'm here for the teachers. I'm mm -hmm. here to support the teachers and help the teachers mm -hmm. rather than being here as a, you know, uh, I don't know, as an expert or as a mm -hmm. whatever role it was I used to be taking kind of brought some conflict where now I see myself much more as being on the same level as the teachers. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm here for you as the teachers. I'm here to support you. Mm -hmm. that, that sounds perhaps uh, like something you'd, you'd be uh, in agreement with. Absolutely. 100%. It's, it's, I, I, I'm quite sure you are much more satisfied and probably being able to make more of a difference with this. Yeah, that's what I've noticed. Growth. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And then the other yeah. thing as well, uh, what was the other thing? Um, yeah, when you talked about jargon, I think that was really important. Mm -hmm. uh, so something that I um, took me a while to really work out what was going on when I started training mm -hmm. here in Indonesia. Um, you know, the teachers here are all very highly qualified. They have okay. uh, multiple degrees because it's a very, very, I mean, you've already mentioned with the books that you're writing, I think you've already become aware of this. It's a very, very formal education system. Uh, it's, it's very really, heavily based much, on, on much formality. Tougher right. than India, India. Right. Tougher than, than I think most places on that formality. But what, if, what I found was that, you know, these teachers are often very well qualified, um, okay. but the practical side isn't there. And one thing that yeah. that, that really manifested in is, one thing that the teachers have to do, they have to take a, a they call it a teacher competency test. That's the translation. Okay. Um, and I thought, oh, this is great. You know, they have this teacher competency test. So every teacher takes this test and they get their certificate to say that they passed the teacher competency test. And it turned out that that was really just a test of um, theory. It was like an exam. Um, and it was really mm -hmm. heavily based in just the jargon of teaching, you know, defining mm -hmm. the terms. What does this term mean? What is this theory? Mm -hmm. But there was actually no practical element to it. So it, had, it said nothing about their competency. It was purely based on the jargon. Mm -hmm. And so I would mm -hmm. have teachers who knew all of the terminology, all of the theory. They could, they could mm -hmm. name the person who wrote the book. They knew all of the theorists and the history of every mm -hmm. bit of, of teaching uh, pedagogy. But mm. the questions were, you know, but how do I do that in the classroom? And the jargon was just, it yeah. didn't give them anything. They had all the jargon and it, it didn't help them yeah. in any way. Um, and, and stepping away from the jargon and moving towards the practice was mm. an eye opener for so many of the teachers where they, they, mm. they were, they'd spent years and years and years studying teaching, but they didn't mm. actually know how to teach. Mm. That's sad. Yeah. Um, another so question I had for you as well, talking about the curriculum. I, really liked what you said about or, or differentiating between a prescriptive curriculum that just mm -hmm. says, you know, here's the content and here is what you must teach. And then mm. the difference when you give teachers the autonomy to, to kind of adapt. So you've given them mm. the guideline, the curriculum is a guideline, but the mm -hmm. teachers have the autonomy to, to adapt. So I wonder mm -hmm. how you're building that in. You mentioned at the beginning of the call that you're working on this series for teachers here in Indonesia and you're mm -hmm. now at the stage of writing the manual for that so how are you mm -hmm. incorporating that idea into the manuals the teacher guides that you're writing uh, how do you well, think about the, that autonomy? yeah so this is actually inbuilt in the design that they have given to me so okay. this is a very unusual a very innovative design so normally I, I don't do content writing anymore I do okay. more of review work or uh, trainings see. or uh, uh, COVID finished one on-site project for me where I used to go to schools and actually sit yeah, in the too. classroom and yeah, work with. 
So uh, this is the design that the publisher has given to me. They themselves didn't want those very customary ancient type of uh, lesson plans where you know you do you you basically tell the teacher what to do, uh, because they discovered uh, as I think publishers really have the pulse of the schools and they discovered that uh, that doesn't work. That yeah. teachers don't really go by it. and uh, they have given me the design where i need to just give my ideas on okay how would i teach or how right. should this be taught and they have just given me some elements that i must include okay but that's they, very nice so they have so they have given me a lot of freedom to design it so let's say they have given right. me a set of 15 elements and they have said look three should come in every chapter and all 15 should be there in the book Right. So they their design is very logical. They don't want things to be there. You know, for example, some designs are they should be um, uh, let's say something for the special needs students in every chapter, or uh -huh. they should be a misconception in every chapter. So they right, haven't created a rigid design like that. They're saying wherever anything comes very naturally, let it be. Right. Ah, uh, plus important. they are. plus they are very open to my ideas so, so i as i told them that sometimes maybe in a teachers manual we should give teachers a choice that you could do it this way if you can go outside if you can't go outside you can do it this way you can do this uh, task using paper clips but if that's hard to find here is your so you i'm i'm giving constantly yeah. choices with yeah. complexity and simplicity and and they are very open to that so it's yeah, a, no, i, I can it's say sure who knows uh, that's who great knows i mean i can the, i can say without any doubt at all that's exactly what the teachers need here um yeah, something yeah. that you know you're giving Doable. them yeah that's it it's it's feasible mm -hmm. it's plausible you're giving them the flexibility but also the guideline mm -hmm. because what yeah. i found is again in my experience um it was important for me to find the balance between allowing creativity but also scaffolding towards that creativity because again Absolutely. teachers are coming from a background yeah. where they don't really yeah. they don't know what's available to them and so yeah. it's not yeah. enough to say you're free to do what you want because they go well i don't know yeah. what to do and so finding the pathway in the middle i think and it sounds like that what you're yeah. what you're putting together is is finding yeah. that balance very well yeah and and here i will add here that even the prescriptive lesson are very helpful to a certain kind of teachers so like sure. uh, somebody okay. who worked in a company where the lesson plans are very very prescriptive he said uh, it helps to bring teachers from negative to at least zero or one so those yeah, teachers that's who right. have that's never true. done anything except chalk board book and here is the formula and do the problems they at least come but at some point whenever the teachers start feeling the discontent the school needs to the school heads need to be open enough to recognize okay now my teachers are moving from they're ready for the next prescription yeah that's so good yeah absolutely ready for the next and some school that's heads so i know who do that so they um, a friend of mine who took over a school so initially she brought in the prescriptive environment and mm. she used that to build up her teachers but in 3 4 years when she saw the teachers were responding very well they and they were feeling very edgy and yeah. uh, suffocated in the prescriptive environment she uh discontinued uh, the the curriculum that she had bought and she took over and then she found that she was able to do a balance and teachers are so different you know if she has let's say six math teachers that i work with they were at six different levels yeah so sure, she's yeah. good at differentiating and so the prescription also helps it helps to certain extent and yeah. after that no, the that teachers need some space yeah yeah now that makes a lot of sense that's good good yeah. good good ah there was something i wanted to ask them that's right Uh, 
No, I can't remember. But I'm, I, yeah, I'm very, very excited about the the way you've described those books. That sounds, as I said, that sounds like it's really finding the the balance that's, yeah, that's it's, needed. It's, I'm enjoying um, it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And I think that that's an approach that would be valuable again in in other subjects as well. What I've found more and more over the the, the training that I've done, as I said, I started training language teachers, um, and yeah. what I found over time was that. It's, it seemed to be a standard um, opinion that, you know, the way you teach one subject is mm. specific to that subject. So this is the, mm -hmm. the way that you teach English or languages. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that's special for language. And what I've basically mm -hmm. been doing over the years with my training is taking these principles that work for language education mm -hmm. and seeing, you know, trying to, to bring them into the other subjects. And it's how, you know, yeah. again, the way that you've just described your um, yeah. approach that, to the mass curriculum there is something that we should be seeing in, in all subjects, I think, across the board. Mm -hmm. We should, we should. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot yeah. of fun too, because that's when you actually understand that there's no subject that is standing on its own, no? they're yeah, all connected right. interconnected Absolutely. You know, it's, it's yeah. a lot of fun too that that's a that's a part of teaching that i miss you know this whole working with other teachers to kind of bring everything together uh that's i i, I don't think a curriculum has as yet been developed which kind of brings this element uh, no i of, agree uh, yeah mm -hmm. no it's something i'd like to see more of brilliant um okay do you think there's anything we've missed monica you have do you remember the question that you had asked or have you forgotten no it's gone it's gone i don't know it's gone. maybe you can put it on linkedin yeah you get yeah it. yeah no i think this is pretty much okay this was quite good i learned yeah, a lot good. about uh, how indonesian teachers work i should be able to use it in my project and understand okay this is the these are the minds that i'm that's good for. And, good. It, and it's good yes. to know that and they I'll are be, trained they are educated yeah yeah, yeah. And I'll be very happy to to keep talking with you about that out, outside of this if you uh, if you want. Yeah, you I, reminded I me. Definitely. You reminded me what my my question was. Um, so you are making uh, making your videos as well. Your regular. Yeah. Are, are you do, do you make them every week? I've seen quite a few. Do you make them weekly? No, I. So any day when I feel like I right. make loads and loads of videos. Okay. And good. then I take my time in editing them and I, I then see. I schedule them all on YouTube. I see. Videos I see. are done till January 2021. They are kind of done. So right, I wow, that's able, amazing. Yeah, I'm not able to do it daily. It's because the day sure. that creativity strikes and a topic yeah, yeah. strikes me, that, yeah, okay, this that's is good. a topic I can into small pieces. Yeah. Um, that's when I do. So I do it in bulk and I schedule it. So it's all right. Done. Okay. So I wonder what you found. Um, obviously, you start, I don't know when you started making those videos, but when I when I look at them now, I see that you're getting um, engagement from. You know, I mean, I'm here in Indonesia, and I see you're getting engagement from all around the world. What have you yeah. kind of have you have you um, has that changed any of your perspective in any way to be now part of this more international community where you're getting feedback and comments and questions from around the world? Totally. Uh, you totally. Absolutely. When I when I put up my first video, I, I have my bunch of ex-students who are like my buddies and, you know, I reach out to them whenever I have some query and I sent it to six, seven of them and I said, how is it? How is it? Please tell me. And when I put it up on LinkedIn, I didn't go back to LinkedIn for a whole day. I was like, oh my God, I <laughs> yeah. there was one like to it and yeah, then I went yeah, back yeah. and it was like, 
35, 40. So wow, yeah. I think so it's, it's really great. I, I think this is something I actually want, would like to do for the rest of my life, which is to put out one video and maybe in future I'm thinking of doing three YouTube lives where I just share oh, everything yeah, wow. that I know with people. And yeah, wow. it will save me the bother of making a video and putting it up on YouTube. And a live has yeah. its own um, uh, appeal. So, no, this has been pretty incredible. I mean, I, I didn't expect uh, people writing messages to me that we got ideas, we got tips and teachers saying, and, and most importantly, even if a single teacher writes that hey, idea to do this in my classroom, it seems worth it. Yeah, right, um, I think I do have a long way to go in the videos, but I'm... I'm going to keep doing it and keep them maximum three minutes uh, individual yeah, videos. Right, right. Um, so that that's been quite a pleasant surprise for me that it's that's great. Kind of working so far so good. Great. What I'll do, I'll put a link to that uh, to your YouTube channel in the uh, along with this video. Is there anything else? Oh, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, of course I will. Is there anything else anywhere else people should come and find you, or anything else you want to uh, include links to or references um, to? It's my blog. I think mainly it's the blog and the YouTube channel. So blog okay. is where loads and loads of lesson plan ideas are there and oh, loads and loads of articles are there. Earlier great. I used to put them on LinkedIn, but now mm -hmm. I'm focusing on putting them on the blog and I put one uh, link every Saturday on LinkedIn. Oh, so that's Saturday good, yeah. is a blog, Sunday is the YouTube uh, uh, video post. Nice. And um, um, yeah, these are the two things I'm going to focus on and probably for as long as I can. Good. Thank well, hopefully so anybody who's for... watched this will come and have a look at those. And um, yeah, great. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Monica. Uh, yeah, same much. here. It's always a pleasure talking to language teachers because you you have such perfect expressions. So things we probably tenses to say you will probably say it in one <laughs> brief, succinct sentence. So it's always a pleasure. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank Monica. you. Thank you. And have a good rest of the weekend. Yeah, you too.